Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum. I am so glad that you're here again for another episode of the podcast where we just talk to youth workers, student ministers, everybody out there who are working with students on a regular basis to help them understand Jesus a little more. Today we have a great interview with a guy named Chase Snyder. Chase is currently the family pastor at Valley Grove Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's got some transitions coming soon, but we just recently talked to him about his ministry there. He's also the founder of Ministry Bubble, where he blogs on a regular basis, and he's got a publishing company. He's written a couple books, so you're going to enjoy today's conversation. But before we jump in, that, we do need to thank our sponsors because they're one of the reasons this podcast exists. First up is WorkCampNE. Their website is WorkCampNE.com. And if you're looking for a mission trip opportunity for your students right here in the United States, you can check out their website. They've got several different trips, usually in the Northeast. That's what NE stands for. And uh, this year, they're actually going to have one in Illinois. I believe that's actually next week, so maybe a little too late this year. But if you're interested in that, make sure you check check out their website. It's a great trip. Our students have been going for years and years, and we love it. We also want to thank the National Network of Youth Ministries and, in a partnership, Breach Youth New England. Both of those organizations are all about combining our efforts together in student ministry, and we are so grateful for their sponsorship. If you want to check out the National Network's website, it's youthworkers.net, and if you want to check out the Reach Youth New England website, it's reachyouthne.com, and if you're not connected with other youth workers in your area, make sure you check out one or both of those websites. That'd be great to connect because we really are better together. Now, without further delay, let's jump in right into this conversation with Chase Snyder. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chase. Man, thanks, Steve, for having me. I'm pumped. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, So one of the first questions that we always ask people here on the podcast is, you know, what's your story? What's God been doing in your life to bring you to the point where you are today? Um, Tell the listeners a little bit who you are and, and how God got you to this point today. Man, the Cliff Notes version, which is what I lived off of through college and high school, is the Cliff Notes versions of everything, is that I'm a Southern boy with an incredible wife, incredible kids, and an awesome call to do ministry. Uh, I absolutely love waking up every day knowing that I get to tell people about Jesus, and that's what I get paid to do. Like, there's nothing better under the sun than to be able to serve people, and people appreciate that with money. And so, you know, you have a living to be able to go out and do what God's called us to do as Christians. And so, uh, really got started doing ministry uh, in my home church when I was growing up. Uh, I've always had this drive to understand what the Bible says, but then have those practical steps to do it. Um, my church, I was very blessed when I was growing up. I didn't know that cultural Christianity was a thing. Uh, went to uh, what most would consider almost a mega church, definitely an extremely large church in our area. But they did an incredibly good job of showing people that they had gifts, talents, and abilities that had been ordained by God for them to use in their specific context, and they expected people to do it. And the crazy thing is that the church did it, right? And so I grew up with this expectation that even as a teenager, like you were going to be plugged into ministry and serving people who were younger than you, serving people who you could specifically impact with your talents and abilities, and then also to be invested with people who were older than you. Uh, So that was just ingrained in me, Uh, and that's something that I've carried with my whole life. Like, I don't want to live this passive existence where I just float through each day. I want to live a dynamic life that's on mission with active faith, 
stepping out because I really believe that faith starts when you take that step. Like everything else is just theory, right? It's right. the whole like, would you do this? Would you be interested? Well, you don't know unless you do it, right? right. You don't know until you take that step. And so that perspective has really radically changed my life. Uh, and even as I mentioned my home church, I, I believe, and if any of them are listening, they probably <laughs> know more specifically. I think I had six youth pastors in seven years oh, wow. come in. And so we had a revolving door, which normally that means a complete death to a student ministry. Yeah. But we were thriving. And it was really because these adult leaders knew that they had mm. a role they had a spot. They had a mission and gifts from God to serve students. So it didn't even matter who the senior leader was who came in. They were going to do ministry. They weren't just going to sit on their hands and wait for a pastor to come through and to spark growth. Like they knew wow. that the mission was great and the time was small, and they were going to maximize on it. That's awesome. That's that's so cool to hear because it's it's one of the things that's always been in my mind and and wise people who have poured into me as well. You know they. A lot of people say, you know, build up a ministry within the people of the church itself because it shouldn't revolve around us. And that way, yeah. when God does call, because he's eventually going to call us all different places, and it, it's okay because the ministry is going to continue on just, you know, in spite of me being there and not being there. Um, there's The mm-hmm. teenagers are still going to be reached and their families are still going to grow um, because of the people within the church that are going to stay there and doing the, the daily work of the ministry. Yeah. And I've got a background in nonprofit, so I'm currently a family pastor in a local church here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And so there's no better place to serve than in the mountain region. I love being outdoors. And so being a family pastor uh, is incredible. But my nonprofit experience, even before then, really shaped my ministry because I was working with uh, Christian nonprofits that were partnering with churches. And so we viewed ourselves as parachurch alongside mm-hmm. the church to help them get outside of the doors and the walls of their church buildings into schools to minister to middle school students. I worked at a camp for over a decade and had experience working with retreats and helping mission teams. So I had this knowledge and just this drum that was beating to do ministry outside of the walls. And you can't do that on your own, like you're saying. Right. Like You can't go in as the sole leader and expect everything to work out. Like you, It's going to fail. Uh, and I've come to realize that when we come into those spots— and say, now I'm going to be the main guy that normally shows arrogance or lack of administrative ability. And both of those are dangerous, right? <laughs> right? Like I don't want to be in a room with that kind of a leader. And so it takes a lot to encourage and to empower to get the right people in to serve those people and let them fail. Mm. Uh, I've said a lot about my two young kids. I've got two uh, beautiful kids who are under the age of five, which means I'm teaching them how to eat. <laughs> Which is horrible. <laughs> like it's adding six times the amount of time I need for a meal to teach them how to eat, right? Like I wish I could just give them a bowl and a spoon and know that the food's not going to end up on the walls or in their hair yeah. or anywhere else that I'm going to have to clean up later. Uh, but I have to teach them from the earliest moments of their life how to eat, and we graduate up on that. And leading people spiritually is the same way. Like we have to give the spoon, per se, over to them and allow them to make messes. Because if not, when we remove ourselves from the situation, if we have made ministry dependent on us, they will not know how to go out and live out their faith. And that's something, especially for our high school students that we look at, is that we want them to know how to feed themselves spiritually. I'm not going to be in their dorm room when they turn 19. And I'm not going to be in those big life moments later on. Their parents will, but they ultimately are the ones making those decisions. So I have to encourage and equip them, but also give them opportunities to fail 
and for us to clean up some messes and yeah. to coach in those moments to let them know, hey, you've got a role, but you got to figure that out too. You're not going to know at 16 what your sole purpose is in life for the direction for your career. You're going to figure that out. So we want to make sure that you know how to figure that out on your own, and we're going to help equip you as you go. Cool. That's awesome. So, so you grew up in the church and, uh, eventually you got to Knoxville. Um, but what happened in between you, you mentioned a little bit of nonprofit there. What, what about college life and things like that? Fill us, fill us in some gaps a little bit. What was yeah. life like there? And so, uh, right after high school, went to a small Christian university. It was called Johnson Bible College at the time. They changed to university. Yep. A lot of Christian schools were doing that. Yep. Uh, I, I received, <laughs> man, I received the letter. I don't know if you got this. A letter from the university that said, hey, we've changed our name to university. For $25, you can have a new diploma. Yeah. And I'm like, I've spent enough yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> like, the diploma's mine. Yeah. I don't want to give any more money. Yeah, I think uh, ours might have been 50, diploma. actually. I was talking to a guy the other day, one of the <laughs> elderly people in our church, a grandparent, and, and he said that his, his college did that, too. But it was, like, here recently, and he's, like, in his 80s, and he's like, what am I going to do with a new diploma? <laughs> like. <laughs> It's you like, imagine parading it. that around in yeah. a frame to put up in his office. <laughs> uh, yep, I just graduated from the new college that started a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I went to a Christian university, and during that time, uh, like I said, just that beat in my brain is to do the ministry, not just to, to live in theory, but to live practically. And that really shaped my studies. I started, I was that weird student who would look at classes and say, Man, why are you going to skip a student ministry class? Like, what if they cover something that your students are going to deal with in five years? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to be that delinquent youth pastor that missed out because you <laughs> wanted to go play Ultimate Frisbee. It was pretty one Saturday. Right? Like, you need to go and learn as much as you can. So uh, really just took that opportunity to dive in and to see how the Bible that was written thousands of years ago applies to my right now. You know, applies to the moment that I step out of my bed. It starts there. You know, that's the faith that God's called me to live. Uh, and after college, uh, I've been doing seminary online while I've been ministering. Uh, and so those nonprofits worked those for a little over a decade. And so the camping ministry, uh, it was really a traditional camp, but we were a retreat facility throughout the year. So we had about six to 10,000 people come through each year that we would do camps for. Uh, Some of them we would cook and clean and do uh, recreation games. I learned how to build high ropes courses and was certified and all of that, which is a really cool thing. But once you have kids and a (laughs) wife and she wants to make sure that you don't die, you stop (laughs) a lot of the extreme sports. (laughs) And so that was an incredible thing because I got to see how some leaders did awesome jobs as student ministers and as children's pastors, Mm. and then some that didn't, uh, some that were just flying by the seat that they came in on. Uh, They had no plan, and you can see the frustration and the doubt on their people's faces uh, when they stood up on the platform, so it really shaped a lot. Uh, And the other nonprofit ministry I worked in did Bible clubs inside of the school system for middle school specifically, so we had about 150, 200 college volunteers that we would do weekly Bible clubs in the school system and then connect those students to camps, but ultimately to local churches in their area. And that's where we would get those college volunteers from. Mm. So it was an open door for a lot of churches to be able to minister in their area. Uh, And it was just a local, we were in about 
eight different counties in our area. Uh, and so that was an incredible opportunity to working with principals, working with schools, finding out those logistics, you know, how do you do this without abusing a situation, but maximizing on it at the same time. Cool. That's awesome. So what brought you to, to Nashville, uh, to, not to Nashville, uh, to Knoxville eventually? Yeah. I mean, I just love the area here and being a family pastor here in South Knoxville, uh, I'm great at the nonprofit stuff, but really God was stirring in my heart for that ongoing discipleship. Mm. So being in a nonprofit, you can only do so much. Right. Uh, you are alongside of the church. Like I said, you are not the church. You do not ultimately get to disciple. You do not get to speak in on a day-to-day basis in somebody's life. Uh, a camp, you have them for a retreat season. You have mm-hmm. them for a weekend. Uh, you may have them for a week at the most, but at the end of that, they go home. And so I know that discipleship doesn't happen at an event. It doesn't happen at a discipleship now as horribly as we've named that throughout the years. Yeah. It doesn't happen at a retreat. It doesn't happen uh, really even on a worship gathering throughout the week. Like that is a part of discipleship. But discipleship happens day in and day out where you're investing in lives. And so that was really something that God started stirring that affection in my wife and I's heart at that time. And so we made the transition out of nonprofit to serving in a local church. And it's been an incredible ride. Cool. So you are, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the family pastor. So does that yes. mean you're over all age groups? Crib to college. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's that look like in, in your church? What's the, the typical day, week, month, I don't know, whatever, like what's, what's your ministry look like, I guess? Yeah. Uh, primarily most of the stuff that we do for children's ministry happens on Sunday mornings. Uh, so we have children's worship. Uh, we have two services with a small group time split between those on our Sunday mornings. Uh, and so we offer nursery for all of our worship gatherings uh, and really have restructured that in the past four years to be more of a spiritual investment time instead of just holding the baby. Uh, you know, you're praying over that child. You're speaking life into that child, even if they don't even understand what you're saying. You know, we want to make sure that from birth, that's what we're doing. Um, and then from there, we have our, our small groups for children and they transition into our kids worship time. So I have a a team that leads all of that with our small group leaders. And then I get to step into that kids worship time and lead that on Sunday mornings as well. Our students have a small group time on Sunday mornings. That's just kind of what works for our area. We're kind of a bedroom community. We're about six miles away from the University of Tennessee and Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. So we have a lot of people who drive out to work in tourism or the university, different areas. And so doing things during the week just doesn't work Mm -hmm. as much for us when it comes to something structured week in, week out. Uh, We do our worship gathering for students on Wednesdays. And so that does work. Um, But we have middle school, high school students in the same room, uh, have a band, try to speak life in, build relationships, uh, do different things like that. So that's kind of a, a snapshot of the week. Yeah, cool. And you mentioned that that ser- getting everybody serving is is incredibly important. How do how do you guys go about doing that with the students uh, there at your church? Is that is there a certain program they go through, or is it just kind of uh, woven into your, your normal life of the church, or how's that how does it all work? Yeah, it's not necessarily a program. We do offer. Some opportunities uh, I've led over the past four years, a mission trip, uh, international mission trip, primarily for high school students. We've had over 25 each year go on that mission trip, which has been uh, an incredible time of growth for them and almost a capstone 
for them to head off into college, which has been neat to see. Uh, but we've really tried to weave this into the fabric of who we are. Uh, I've gotten rid of student service days mm. because the church does service days. Nice. And when a student becomes a Christian, or if a child becomes a Christian, they are instantly in the body of Christ. Like, they are the body of Christ. They have been gifted. And so we don't have to wait for them to turn 18 to then force them into something that they've never been in before. Mm. They need to know what it is to serve in the life of the church. So uh, whenever we first came, we still do a vacation Bible school, and there was a vacation Bible school element for the students. Well, we have gotten rid of that for students and given them an opportunity to serve children during that time. Mm. We want them to serve in children's ministry as much as they can. And one of the biggest deterrents to that is a lot of parents. Uh, I think parents are skeptical to have their students, A, be in charge of somebody, and they know their own children. So you kind of have to respect that, you know. They're delinquent at home, I understand. Uh, They're giving you gray hair, we'll listen to you. But uh, they are often equating spiritual growth with knowledge. And so Mm -hmm. if you take a student out of a situation where they are being taught, then how could they learn? That's that's their logic. How are they going to learn if someone's not teaching them? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've never seen in the Bible an example of having 15 Bible studies made you more spiritual. And it's hard to have those conversations because the the logic is, well, my child needs to be poured into right now. Hmm. I'm like, man, Jesus did pour into his disciples, but as quickly as he poured into them, he turned around and said, hey, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray for the workers. All right. As you pray, you guys are it. So don't just think you're going to go off in a corner and pray somewhere. You're going to pray as you do ministry. And he sent them out in Matthew chapter 10. And so it's, it's a balance. It's not a once I become spiritual enough, or once my child becomes spiritual enough, or they know enough, or if they've had enough trainings on this, then they'll be great. It's just thrusting them into ministry at some points. And like I said earlier, let them fail. They're not going to like everything that they try. Give them options. Give them, give them variety to do ministry and yeah. see what happens from there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, one of my, my old coworkers uh, was a worship minister here when I first got here, and, and he used to say you know, his job, he, he felt, was trying to help people find the right seat on the bus. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're going to pick the wrong seat, but it's okay. You can always get up and move to a different seat and, yeah. and be able to create an environment where it's okay to change seats because it's okay to, to try different things and, and realize maybe this is not for me, but that's okay. We'll, we'll help yeah. you find some, the thing that is for you. Yeah. And that's so important with volunteers too, to get the right people in the right spot focused on the right thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could spend all of our time each week as pastors doing that one thing. Uh, But that, as we talked about earlier, that's the sustainability aspect. It's the right people in the right spot doing the right thing. It's not the wrong people in the right spot doing the right thing. It's not, (laughs) it's not any combination that would come up with that. It's gotta be a focus and have those people. I mean, I've had the opportunity with the family ministry to interview people who want to be in a volunteer position for something. And they're not sure what, so I've been able to sit down with them over coffee and say, hey, what are your gifts and passions? And I have earmarked out like I need a middle school small group leader, mm. right? So that's yeah. my bend going right. in. I know I'm going to put you in the spot, but it takes a lot to say, all right, I'm going to leave that spot open because this person will thrive in the mm. preschool. Like this is where God's called them to be. And for me to plug them in the middle school ministry when I know God has gifted them somewhere else, not only robs my ministry of an incredible person there. 
it puts a headache in the mm. middle school ministry spot because they don't want to be there. Right. The students know that they're not gifted there, but it also sets that person up for failure because they're not serving in their giftedness now. Yep. And they're going to be more susceptible to burnout. We've got to get the right people in the right spot doing the right thing. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned that you are over all of those uh, different age groups. Are are you the only paid staff person or do you have uh, paid staff under you or is it just volunteer teams that you lead? Pretty much volunteer teams. Uh, we do have a few part-time. Uh, part-time is probably even <laughs> a very <laughs> yeah. high view of right. that. We, uh, we throw but, them a little something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of hourly workers with small hours uh, to help cover those positions. But I am the, the only pastor over that who's paid. And we have some incredible volunteer teams that we've been able to develop and really establish into those sweet spots. And so we have, uh, even within the hierarchy of our ministry, uh, we have a team leader who's over the children's ministry, small group leaders, and the student ministry, small group leaders. So we have different people Mm. over each one of those areas instead of just putting everybody on the same playing field because they don't want to show up to a meeting for the student ministry, for say. And we have six different teams when you have worship and small groups and special events and different areas on that. And then for that 60 minutes, you've got six teams and you're going to talk to all six teams. Well, now they only have 10 minutes of worth in that meeting because only 10 minutes pertains to them. So we've been able to establish these teams. That's been something hard for me is to give up that control to expect Mm. people to have their meetings, even as lay volunteers Mm. and lay leaders who aren't getting paid, who aren't in ministry and to coach them and to come alongside of them and say, Hey, how's, how's this going? Yeah. How are you people doing? How's yeah. the meeting? Uh, but it's been an incredible season to see that happen. That's cool. Yeah, I'm sure you know, what you're talking about, you know, getting the right people and, and all those volunteers and making sure they're they're bought in, that's that's huge when you're leading that many teams in, in your role. Um, has there any, been any struggles that, that you're like, you know what, Yeah, I, I probably could have done this a little better? You'd like to maybe dive into just a little bit, just like, you know what, um, this is the, something big I've learned and, and leading all those different teams. Oh, yeah. You've got to play to the people, not the process. A lot of times we, man, the the troubles that I can get in is I'm not necessarily a rule follower, but I want to create those systems and processes. And then I want those systems and processes to work, but people don't work like that. Mm. And so sometimes you have to decide, will this person win or will this process win? Mm. And I've gotten into some spots where I've said, no, the process has to win. And that was the wrong call to make. Uh, you have to be able to take a step back. Now, sometimes the process does win, and those conversations are very difficult to have. Uh, and we've had some of those as well to say, man, this I know that you're passionate about this, but this is not the direction we're going. Uh, this is the right person in the right spot, but the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to realign that to the right thing. You know, what what is that? And so sometimes those processes win, but the vast majority of them is I get in trouble because I work that process and I forget to develop those people alongside mm. it. Uh, there's been so many great books. Uh, there's a book called Execution that talks about the people process. If you don't have the right people within that, and it doesn't matter how great your operational or uh, strategic processes are, it's going to fail. They have to have ownership. They have to have that buy-in. And so reminding myself that, man, this these are people who, A, ultimately are working another job, they have their own kids to worry about. They don't want to have to worry about 20 other yeah. kids who are going through you know, a <laughs> crisis every day. Uh, they have other stressors in their life. How can we make sure that everything's set up for them to come in and to maximize the time that they have, but also to encourage them and equip them and appreciate them 
in that moment because they're doing a lot of ministry that is expected of me. Hmm. Really, somebody has to do it. And if I play into that thought of like, I'll just do everything, I know that's not sustainable. So I've got to convince other people that I need help, Hmm. but also let them know that I know what I'm doing. So, you know, it's just a weird balance, (laughs) but fair. Yeah, totally. So is there anything else that God's taught you through the years? Maybe a couple couple tips that, you know, you like you would tell yourself maybe 10 years ago or, you know, any someone else getting in ministry that, you know, like, you know what, this is this is something that God's really laid on my heart that's taught me maybe through good times, the bad times. And uh, you'd like to share with our listeners today. Yeah, one of the things I learned in nonprofit ministry was just the value of team. And I've talked about that a lot, but not just a team within your church. But developing a team of youth workers and youth pastors in your area. Hmm. And that has been monumental uh, in my ministry over the past 18 months. Uh, I started a young leaders learning community, and it was just a lot of guys who are about my age, you know, young 30s, who are in ministry, some of them senior pastors, worship, youth pastors, children's pastors. And we decided we were just going to get together once a month go through a book. We picked a book none of us have ever heard of that had 12 mm-hmm. chapters. So that was like the qualifier, you know, yeah. we'll read a chapter a month, we can commit to that. And just started ministering to each other in that time. And there's been a lot of organic conversations between that, uh, you know, uh, the worship pastor, uh, he had a couple who's serving on this worship team uh, who are on stage each week. They're dating, and they found out they're pregnant. So how how's he going to lean into that situation? And it's been incredible to minister to other pastors and just yeah. know that they're going through a lot of the same stuff. I think that the the lie is that we're the only one who's going through the stuff we're going through, mm. and to have that outside of a church. And like I said, it's monumental because there's just certain things you can't share with the people inside of your church. Yep. You can't have those conversations. It's not a place that you can be transparent with a lot of the struggles that you have or a lot of the struggles you may be seeing inside the organization. And having that outside, man, that would be one of the tips is get that network of people. Uh, that passion's kind of overflowed. I started a blog, and it's specifically for youth workers. And it's not a, this is a silver bullet. This is how how can you do ministry where God's planted you? Hmm. You may not have a huge budget, but you have the people that you've got. You've yeah. got the influence that you have. How can you maximize on that? And so really helping other youth pastors. And I've really viewed my role to, to start that. It's like, man, I don't want to be that guy who's arrogant, like, hey, I'm— <laughs> I'm a family pastor. I have this figured out because I don't. Right. Right? Like That's bogus. You can see through that in a minute. <laughs> like, you know, I don't have it all together. Uh, but really that tribe mentality. Mm. I know that Seth Godin wrote a book called Tribe, and that, that's the mentality. People want to be in a group together. Uh, and so getting other pastors, getting other ministry leaders who have a different vantage point, but they're going through the same walk as you mm. is incredible to your own spiritual growth, uh, but also to the growth of your ministry. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great stuff. And one of the things that I, I've recently started doing um, is helping out with the National Network of Youth Ministries, and they're they're one of our sponsors. And it's it's what they do is so valuable because it's about getting us together. So I've I've noticed you know there's there's been some struggles with working with other youth workers, but there's been yeah. some amazing times as well. And it's it's always you know their their theme is you know we're better together, and we we definitely are. Um, you know I've been able to 
to just be able to pour into someone and just know that, hey, you know, they, they understand because they're also in ministry and they're mm-hmm. not in my church. So they're not going to have bad feelings about the person I'm talking about <laughs> because yep. they can keep it confidential. And and, and and I trust that they will actually pray for me. And, yeah. and that's that's awesome to just have that kind of connection with others. Oh, yeah. Cool. So is there anything else you'd like to share? No, man, just keep doing it. Like I, like I said, just keep it ministry. Uh, I served uh, bivocationally even to become a pastor in a church. So that was a bivocational role uh, between. And so I, I know, like I know the frustrations of budgets and time and, and things like that. So I can sympathize and empathize with those. And so anytime I get to talk to youth leaders, it's just to keep going, uh, mm-hmm. to find that support group. But ultimately, your support is Jesus. Don't neglect those spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines and just see what he's got for you. Because I promise when you start looking at the Bible and saying, all right, he's, he wants me to do this. And I'm going to take a step and do it. It's going to be incredible growth through that. And just keep doing it. Cool. That's that's awesome. I know that people are going to want to hear more from you. They're going to want to read more from you. And you mentioned your blog. Um, now it's time to plug plug whatever you got. Where can people find more of Chase Snyder online? Yeah. Uh, the best place, I love Twitter. And a lot of people are looking at Twitter like an old social media now, but that's still my go-to. Yeah. Uh, but any of my social medias, it's just at Chase Snyder 12. And I know you can link that in the show notes. My blog is ministrybubble.com. And like I said, that's specifically for youth workers and children's workers. So it's this family ministry approach, just trying to get practical stuff up each week. And also I've launched a company called 228publishers.com. And so we publish print and downloadable resources, so books, uh, retreat studies, and are looking for authors to help do that. Uh, I know that it's incredibly difficult for youth pastors, and uh, really, as we start to think, smaller people in the publishing business who don't have a million followers, and we're not at a church called Saddleback, Mm -hmm. to be able to print a book or to get a resource out there. And so God's opened up a really cool opportunity for us to start a publishing company or to help new and young authors in that way. Uh, and says so 228 publishers and, and there's all of our information on how to write with us, how to contact us on there as well. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Make sure you definitely check out all those, those ways to connect with, with Chase. And I might be actually talking about the publishing company. Who knows? Um, yeah. God's put some different thoughts in my mind. My, my wife has, has recently started a, a writing career herself and we're thinking about, you know, what do we do self publish or go with a publisher and all that stuff. And I know there's a lot of other youth workers are out there that are probably thinking the same things, you know, God's put some things on their hearts and, but it's like, what do I do with it? And uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's an awesome resource. So thank you so much for all the, the people that you're going to be helping through that whole process. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Chase. It's been, it's been awesome to get to know you a little better and hear your story and, and hear what God's been doing through your life. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve, for having me on here. It's yeah. always fun. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, may God bless your ministry. I hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did, or maybe even more. Who knows? Uh, We are incredibly grateful that you joined us today. And if you're wanting to learn more about Chase Snyder, please do check out his his blog at ministrybubble.com. Make sure you check out his Twitter. Connect with him. He is transitioning. I mentioned that earlier. It was like soon after we did this interview that he made the announcement that he's actually going to be transitioning over to the Atlanta area from Knoxville. He's going to be starting at the First Baptist Church in Long 
Loganville, Georgia. And so uh, we're we're excited for his new transition and the teams and everything that he's going to be able to build over there and to to empower people in the Atlanta uh, metro area. And so if you're in Atlanta, maybe maybe look him up. Uh, you can meet him in person. But also just make sure you you use him as a resource. He's a great resource, I think, for all of us. And uh, and he's there. He's willing to to pour into other youth workers as well. Again, we are incredibly grateful for you that uh, you keep tuning in every month for another interview, another podcast. And if I could, can I please ask a, a small request of you? If you enjoy what you're hearing, number one, please share it. But also, if I could, if you if you could please. I know this sounds weird, but leave a review um, because really that helps us kind of raise up in the the list of all the podcasts and on all these different podcatchers. So I know, I know it's a little extra work, but I am incredibly grateful for every review that we get because it just helps it rise to the top. And not that we're any better than any other podcast because there's a bunch of amazing podcasts out there, but I just, it helps people find it. And these are great stories. I hope you've been blessed by them. I know I have been blessed by them and I want other people to hear them. So that just helps us. And I'd be incredibly grateful if you did that. Again, very thankful for our sponsors as well. WorkCamp NE at WorkCampNE.com, National Network of Youth Ministries at YouthWorkers.net, and Reach Youth New England at ReachYouthNE.com. Make sure you check out their websites, show them some love. And again, we are grateful for your tuning in again for another podcast. We'll be back next month with another one. And until then, may God bless your ministry.